Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. We may live over 5,000 miles from Lincoln Financial Field, but what we lack in proximity, we make up for in film study. And each and every week, we'll be bringing you in-depth film breakdowns from across the pond and the Sooner State. Welcome to On the Shane Page. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaneHalfNFL. And I am joined by BGN's own Johnny Page. Give him a follow on Twitter at JohnnyPage9. Johnny, how are you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm okay. This was a that was a difficult loss, wasn't it? I feel like we don't do many podcasts, or I haven't done many breakdowns the last two years of losing two in a row. Um, it was a weird one. So we're going to get into it all. Obviously, it was a strange game. I sort of watching it live. I thought it was terrible, and I was ready to come on and like go absolutely mad. And then watching it back, I was like, yeah, well, I think I was really surprised watching the offense. I'm going to obviously get into this today, but I sort of found the offensive film weirdly positive. And then the defense is just weird. Like, we're going to talk about why, because it's such a... I've seen so many stats this week about, like, the difference between first down and third down with this defense. It's just insane. So I feel like at some points in the year, we've hit, like, the wall where I'm watching the same thing over and over again. And obviously, I'm very blessed to do what I do. I very much enjoy it. But there's some things when I'm just like, start doing something new, because I've watched you do this mistake 15 times this year and sadly it makes you wonder if they're ever going to correct it but there remains a the positive part of me thinks that they're watching this like we are and they know so I don't think the Eagles are doomed I don't think the season's over they are 10 and 3 they could yet finish uh, what 13 and 14 and 3 these days which would seem insane right now considering we could be a 14 win team but I do think the Eagles absolutely have the potential to correct these things. And I guess what we're going to try and do today is break down what's going wrong, but also look at well, what can they do. I think there are certain things that they're just going to be bad at where they've got lack of talent. But there is quite a lot of stuff where they can get better. So I don't think it's like burn the burn the house down meme yet. Just yet, anyway. Uh, maybe soon, but not just yet. <laughs> yeah, when you said that you think it's going to get better, I was just going to end the podcast there. Let's get the people out of here early. Uh, no, we won't do that Uh Obviously, tough to come on and do a podcast uh, per Opta stats. The Eagles are the first team in NFL history with double-digit wins to lose back-to-back games by 20-plus points. So this is just a weird stretch for the Eagles, and we're going to try to dive into it here and tell you guys what we've been seeing on film, what we're seeing that's going wrong, and you guys can make the judgments for yourself. So we're going to flip the script. We typically start with the offense. We're going to start with the defense because we want to give ourselves a little more time we're, we're learning about ourselves. We're doing some self-scouting as podcasters, and we realize whatever we talk about first takes up the first 45 minutes, and we have to rush through the ending. And we want to make sure we've got plenty of time on the defense today. So, Johnny, I'll throw it to you first here on the defense. What was your first takeaway at watching the defensive film? Wow, you're going you're gonna to throw it to me. Um, so, Paul, we'll be back behind the curtain. We don't talk very much before this, but this week we did a very, very quick like two-minute chat. And I feel like we're going to take up a lot of the time just by saying what on earth is Sean Desire doing at certain points. So bear with us because this may sort of just bounce back and forward and go a little bit all over the place because I've got so many things I want to talk about with Sean Desire. Um, 
I know you've got a lot of things you want to get into as well. So I'm going to get into a very specific issue and then I will leave it to you to go into a bit more maybe broad and then I might even go back and have another moan because the numbers in this game are insane. Um, they are so bad, this Eagles defense on third down. They are so, so bad and I'm watching it and there were two plays that killed me and it's really funny because there were two plays when arguably the, the Eagles defense won. So you might be thinking, why are you moaning? But it was a third and long and a third and long call on the same drive. So if you look at my film thread, and obviously we'll tweet these back up afterwards, it was uh, uh, play number six on my film thread, and it was third and 20. And you're going to think I'm really, really annoying here because I'm going to moan about a play where the Eagles win. So it's third and 20. And the Eagles had third and 17 about two, um, two or three plays before this, or the previous third down, I think. And they did exactly this. They went too high, rotate to single high, man coverage across the board. Now, I don't mind too high rotating to single high, play man coverage, fine. If you want to do that, go for it. I don't really get why you do it on third and 20. I'm not sure. Like, I'm looking at that whole defender thinking, in this play, it's Reed Bankenship. Why are you there? Like, there's no one around you. No one's running a short, shallow crossing route on third and 20. And if they do, rally and tackle from deep. They get 10 yards, life goes on. And in both plays, they had um, Eli Ricks lined up in man coverage on CD Lamb. There's no safety help. If you look at the safety on this play, and I know the Eagles make the stop, so it's all good. And th therefore, we should say it's brilliant. But if this is like a slot fade or a slot fade, or this is a smash concept or anything, and Eli Ricks gets burned, we're sitting here going, what on earth is this defense doing? And week after week, this team seems to sometimes allocate resources to a top receiver. Sometimes they'll play one double. Sometimes they'll move Slay. And then sometimes they'll just play straight up cover one man on third and 20 with Eli Ricks in the slot on CD Lamb. And they're lucky that the Cowboys butcher this um, route concept. They have like two comeback routes that are next to each other. And it's just a messy play from the Cowboys' point of view. But they did it the third and 17 before. And by the way, I think the third and 17, it worked as well because Slay got called for pass interference. I didn't think it was pass interference. So you might be saying, like, why am I moaning about two plays that worked? But it just builds into my overall opinion that uh, I think you're going to go with this take as well, is that I'm really losing my faith in Sean Desire because it's similar things that I'm seeing every week. And I'm I'm not here to moan about going too high to single high. I just don't really understand the rationale behind it. It's like we're coaching as if we've got these elite cornerbacks. And Eli Ricks is this fantastic player. And there are other clips. Um, I mean, I could show other plans I don't like. Um, I'll show you one more as well, um, clip five on my call. Um, this is another third down. It's another third and long. And it's another third and long that the Eagles show too high and they rotate to single high because I'm convinced the Eagles do this on nearly every single third down. And it just leads to a lack of me thinking, like, what are they doing coaching-wise? What are they doing in the secondary? Um, we'll start with the secondary. I've got both angles, and then we'll talk about the defensive line. So secondary-wise, they're showing too high. Then they rotate single high. So Bradley Roby, an experienced cornerback who's been around a long time, should know he's got to take outside of C.D. Lamb. I don't mind not doubling C.D. Lamb if you know you've got a safety in the middle of the field. Roby jumps inside and then C.D. Lamb just breaks outside and he's wide open. And I'm thinking like, what are we coaching players on these plays? What are we telling them to do? Because when you look at it on film, it's, he obviously should have outside leverage. C.D. Lamb should not be open that easily. And the pass rush, Shane, like why do we do so many delayed rushes? Watching the Cowboys rush Hurts is night and day to watching how we rush the quarterback. We take so long. So Josh Sweat is lining up as a, as a linebacker. 
Um, Zach Cunningham drops out. Joshua fakes dropping out as if he's trying to do this really cool. Like, oh, we're going to confuse them. I don't care if you confuse them because it takes two and a half seconds to get after the quarterback. By the time Sweat even starts rushing, Dak knows exactly where he's going with the ball. He's under no pressure at all. Now, compare that to the way when the Cowboys came after the Eagles, they came after him. Like, Hertz would hit his back foot and bang, there's a guy in front of him. When we rush the quarterback, we take three seconds to even get there. Um, and philosophically, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, why? It's, you, the disguise isn't really that important anyway. It's third and nine. Like, get upfield. You've got really good pass rushers. Um, it's such a niche thing I'm talking about now. I'm talking about third and long only. But people say, why are we so bad in third down? We're predictable. Loads of the time, it's man coverage. Quite a lot of the time, it's man coverage. Loads of the time, they rotate from two high to single high. And it's also loads of the time, it's Eli Ricks on their best receiver or Bradley Roby on their best receiver. And then players not playing to their coverages. It just it just isn't very good. And it's depressing because I feel like we've said this, but we've said this thing for ages, like the way they deal with stacks and bunches. It all goes back to this idea that coaching-wise, it doesn't look very good or very smooth. Um there's more I want to say, but I don't want to take up all your fun ducks. I know you found this game very frustrating. So I feel like it's time for you to have a little rant. Was there anything else on those plays or just in general? And this is a very broad point we're talking about this week. This is this point is just called Sean Desire. Um, anything in particular that stood out that annoyed you? I'm going to guess you're going to talk negatively anyway. It's not, it's not a positive <laughs> Sean Desire point, I'm going to guess. It is a good guess when the bullet point I sent you is what is Sean Desai doing? That's um, true. Man. I watch this film and the more I watch of this Eagles team, the more I'm convinced that they need to fire a coordinator and it's not Brian Johnson. It's Sean Desai. Um, the more I watch the Eagles defense, the more I think Sean Desai is way out of his depth. Uh, and I, I want to preface that by saying the money is spent on the offense Right now, I know they brought back corners they maybe shouldn't have brought back, and we could get into all of that. But the offense is your bread and butter. You've got a top five receiver, a top 15 receiver, a top five tight end, a top five offensive line, and a quarterback you paid $50 million. You need your offense to put up a lot of points, and we'll get there in a minute, I promise. The defense lost a lot of talent. You lost five starters from the defense. You know, the linebacking core is held together by duct tape at this point. All those things are true, but when I look at what Sean Desai does, he does nothing. I mean, well, that's not accurate. He does a lot of things, and none of them work. And at a certain point, if nothing you try is working, I just am going to assume that you don't know what to do. Um, we talked about third downs. In the last three games, the Eagles have gotten to 52 third downs on defense. They've only gotten off the field on 16 of them. That's 30.7%. And it's it's because of that's because of a lot of things. But I'll show you a couple plays here. Um let me throw this first one up here. You'll see my you'll see my little titles here. We've got Smith in coverage. What are we doing? Uh this is a seam ball they throw to uh the their tight end Jake Ferguson, and they're gonna drop Nolan Smith into coverage and they're gonna blitz from depth with zach cunningham okay so what horrible sorry yeah, just to interrupt you is it cunningham or is it shack oh it might it might be yeah there's two Which linebackers with a five now because i'm pretty sure it's leonard and he looks like he's never blitzed a quarterback in his life and i thought the reason we got him with his long arms and coverage and he's rushing the quarterback oh just this place is a nightmare like it's, it's i hate this play i hate it 
53 who who's 53 i'm just yeah, used that's to seeing a five or a four that's leonard yeah okay so first of all that's even worse you're blitzing shack leonard but like i understand what you're trying to do you're trying to force a one-on-one matchup you drop out nolan smith you get three rushing against three on one side here's the problem um you're on your second team defensive line on this play you have brandon graham Milton Williams, Shaq Leonard. These are the guys you're scheming up a one-on-one for. By dropping Nolan Smith, you are guaranteeing Jalen Carter gets double teamed. What kind of defensive coordinator walks into a down and says, what can I scheme up so my best defensive lineman gets double teamed? What kind of a plan is that? And Nolan Smith is terrible dropping into coverage. And we know this because we've talked about it for three months and you know who drops into coverage on 22% of their pass down reps? Nolan Smith. You know how often Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat do it? Like 4 and 5%. It, it, it's just a terrible plan. Uh, you're playing to your guys' weaknesses. You, you're intentionally getting your best defensive lineman double teamed so your worst edge rusher can drop into coverage, your worst coverage edge rusher. And probably your best coverage linebacker can blitz none of it makes sense it's just terrible um and it's not the only one uh there's another play specifically that i want to highlight just quickly and... Shane, on, on that play as well like we've and this is again what we keep going about we spoke about these themes every time the eagles fake a blitz and they drop an edge defender their depth is horrendous I, I could go out and tweet after this game. Like, I don't obviously tweet every single clip. The amount of times I see Nolan Smith get the ball thrown over his head, it is not his fault. He is not comfortable. On that play, you have to redirect or reroute the, the tight end. You have to get hands on him. You cannot just let a tight end run down the middle of the seam of your defense when the main coverage guy is an edge defender. But Nolan Smith's taking a step forward. It's this, this idea of, like, it's like they're trying to win by disguise. Like, they've got, like, nobody who can rush the quarterback. You've got good pass rushers. Just rely on them winning up front would help if you rotate them a little bit. But stop worrying about like this idea of disguise. It seems we're obsessed with we're going to win by deception. Like Nolan Smith, if you're going to get him to drop back, get him to drop back. Tell him to stand right in front of a tight end, get his hands on him, redirect him. He just runs straight through him. Like that play drove me insane. Like uh, that, there's two other plays I'm going to show when when you're done going insane. (laughs) It really drove me insane. But I had to come in on that play. Sorry. But it's, I, when I saw um, Leonard Blitzing, uh, is it Shaq Leonard these days? Didn't he change his name? Or was it someone else before that? I don't even I, I yeah, get it, it, anyway. it was Darius Leonard. Now it's Shaq Leonard. Oh, right. Fair enough. So I got it right. Like, I thought the whole idea was long arms. He can play in coverage. That play with him blitzing, I'm staring at like, why? What? What is the purpose? Like, who goes, no, you know, let's get Nolan Smith in coverage. from a f-. It's, just, it's all about deception. I'm convinced they're obsessed with creating deceptive pass rushes that seems to be their idea behind rushing the quarterback is this idea of you don't know what four are coming it doesn't matter it doesn't matter number one they never confuse him anyway when eagles win they win because reddick normally just runs past the tackle like he did in this game and wins anyway because they're good it's not coaching it's just good players like that play i don't like to pick on too many individual plays but like delete that now get rid of it never rush shaq leonard from five yards deep when he's not very fast anyway and drop nolan smith into coverage and it's just a bad play it's just a bad play yeah. Well, let me show you another bad play. And let me ask you, Johnny, when you see this one before the snap and you see no one more than five yards off the line of scrimmage, what coverage is this going to be? Yeah, it's a blitz, isn't it? I'm yeah, guessing it's, 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 it's going to be cover zero. 
right? Yep. So let me just ask you, like, there's no reason to keep your linebackers four yards off the line of scrimmage. You're not fooling no. anyone. Like every there, there are high school quarterbacks that can tell you this is cover zero and Dak Prescott is certainly not a high school quarterback. So how about we just walk these linebackers right up on the line of scrimmage in the a gaps like Minnesota does and blitz them. We know how to do that because we do it. Then we just bail them into coverage from right on. It's like, if we're going to blitz a linebacker, they will start the play five yards off the ball. But if they are on the ball, by God, they're going to drop into coverage and try to take away a seam ball every single time. It drives me insane. That's the first issue here. The second issue, Reed Blankenship's out of the game, right? And so you have two safeties. You have Sidney Brown and Kevin Byard. Johnny, if you were going to ask one of those guys to cover a tight end and one of those guys to blitz, how would you set that up? Which guy are you asking to cover the tight end? Yeah, I mean, Byard, seeing as he's your tight end, the raise that it gets worse, yeah, mute myself there. It gets worse because they're playing James Bradbury. <laughs> James Bradbury's blitzing. It, this play is comical. Um, the other thing I have to say about this is when we've been, we might people might think we're being pedantic about the lining up, and I think I've had the epiphany on this podcast, Shane, talking it through with you. It's all about deception, isn't it? The reason why they're not lining them up on line of scrimmage because they're trying to, they're trying to, they're trying to fake sort of make the Cowboys think they're not going to blitz. But look at the body language of the players. Like we haven't, we haven't spoken about this play. You put it on the screen. I know exactly the play you're talking about because I know and Shane hasn't even hit play yet. The body language is so obviously a cover zero blitz. Like if it's not, then well done. They're great actors. But that difference between Bayard being what, four yards behind the center. Yeah. Four yards and being two yards is all the difference because he's, he's a yard short on Dak. Like the, these things matter in the NFL. Um, I know you're going to talk about Sidney Brown on this play, but you please talk about CD Lamb as well when you run it, because it's the same again. Like they, they don't, they don't do anything different. CD Lamb might as well be Nelson Aguilar on this play. Like it might as well be, it doesn't matter who it is. They're just going to line him up as if he's a standard wide receiver in the slot. Um, yeah. Oh, he's brutal. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're blitzing your tight end eraser safety and you're asking your, Safety that loves to fly downhill to cover a tight end. That's another problem. Uh, and of course, it's going to be completed to Jake Ferguson. He gets open on Sidney Brown. But the next thing I want you to look at is look at the top of the screen. You got CD Lamb in the slot, Eli Ricks, because we're still doing the put Eli Ricks on the field on third down. Let's run a cover zero blitz. Give the guy with the worst agility scores in the combine the two way go on the opponent's best receiver, because God forbid we put Darius Slay in the slot on him. I want you to watch. Don't even watch the ball. Just watch how badly Eli Ricks gets cooked on this play when I hit play. Uh-oh. Like, this is on Dak. This is this is a touchdown if yeah. Dak opens up to the right side of the field. And I don't know how you don't open up on a cover zero blitz to your best receiver in the slot against a UDFA and instead throw to your tight end. I don't know why he chooses to do that. Uh, but that prevents it from being a touchdown. Just horrific this is coaching this is sean desai this is putting your players in a position to fail this is why i i'm this close to being out on sean desai i'm not a i am not you people that have heard me on the instant reaction show have not heard me react to a game in two years and say fire so and so because that's not what i do i'm done with sean desai unless i see something different down the stretch he is not a good coach he is not calling good defense the defense, the defensive talent isn't great, but somebody asked me about that at halftime. What's realistic to expect? And I said, just for a frame of reference, the Buffalo Bills lost an all pro corner in Tredavious White for the season. They lost a first round pick in corner at, at Kyer Elam 
an all pro linebacker in Matt Milano. They've had numerous other injuries on their defense and they're a top six defense. That's coaching. The Buffalo Bills do not have much more talent. That The Buffalo Bills probably have less talent healthy on defense than the Eagles, and they are a top six defense, and the Eagles are a bottom 10 defense, and that is coaching. And that is on Sean Desai. And we've heard there's a philosophy, like it's all about defensive line and rushing the – I mean, the Eagles have still got a really good defensive line, like Graham, Reddick, Sweat, and Nolan Smith is a, is a, is a good – for edge guys, then Cox, Williams, Carter, Davis, um, Tupelo, two, like they're, they're fine up front. They're fine. We've been told linebacker doesn't matter. So it's not moaning about your linebackers because they, they don't, they treat the position like it doesn't matter. And then Darius Slade, we're going to come on later. He's a really good quarterback and he's still very good. I don't think the safeties are horrendous. I watched Kevin Byard in Tennessee and he was fine. Like he's a good player. I know he's older. I know he's getting older now. But for me, it is coaching. Like that play, honestly, he might have not got his job back, Sean Desire, if that play goes to CD Lamb and he runs at 70 yards for a touchdown. Because every single guy in on Twitter who's watching TV, the announcer is going to go, did they just cover zero blitz and ask a UDFA rookie to cover CD Lamb in the slot? Like with James Bradbury blitzing. Like it's almost like the, I, I coaches aren't idiots, right? Sean Desire's not dumb. He's not woken up and he's not, he knows ahead of a lot more than we do. There's obviously a reason why he's doing these things. And we're trying to figure out is, and I'm convinced it's this idea of we're going to deceive the offense because we're not as good. Maybe just do what you can. Give up 25 points a game. The funny thing is the Eagles do the hardest thing now. They do well on first down. That's when defenses struggle because the offense has got their all the plays at their disposal. The Eagles are doing the hard bit well. They're getting into third down situations and they're just totally failing. Um, before we move on, because we're going to speak about this for a while, and we said we could spend half the podcast talking about this one point. Um, the Eagles uh, got rid of, or he left this uh, offseason, uh, Denard Wilson, the secondary uh, defensive backs coach from last year. And every cornerback like Slay, Bradbury, seemed to be up in arms about it. I think everyone wanted him to stay, but he felt a little bit disrespected that he didn't get the DC job. Um, people could talk what they want about Gannon, but the Eagles secondary was so good last year at matching uh, roots. Some of the way they deal in the back end, I don't. I should have actually looked up who the secondary coach is currently. I forgot his name, the Eagles. But whoever it is, if you're going to fire someone, I'm sorry, but he's he's going to be close to it on the top of my list. Some of the times that I watch this Eagles defense, and I, I, I go a little bit insane. There's one example that kills me, absolutely killed me this week. And it was not one of the other ones we've mentioned about 100 times. It was play eight on my film, Fred. So to set the scene, it's second and 16. And the Cowboys are in a two-by-two two 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 set. Now, second and 16. So the way the Cowboys play, you can probably predict that this is a high likelihood of being a pass. The Eagles are in a four-man front. Uh, they've got the perfect coverage for this play. So they are playing two safeties deep. I actually can't remember the play off the top of my head. I'm sort of looking at the same time. I'm pretty sure they play some sort of match coverage. To me, this is bog standard. If you rub a clip, this should be three over two on the left, three over two on the right. Like, this is simple, simple stuff. This is the dream for a defensive coordinator. This is the modern NFL. This is the dream. Three over two, both sides. Don't worry about the run. So you've only got one linebacker in there. Like, look at how badly they match the uh, routes on the left-hand side. This is like, as easy as it gets. You've got three over two. One of them runs like a, a comeback and slays all over it. So you've basically got two on one. And I don't know. And you can blame Roby all you want. You can shout about Roby, and I would agree. He doesn't cover himself in any glory here. But why is Roby in that position? Why is he staring at the quarterback? He doesn't need to. They've got Nicholas Moreau there anyway. So you don't need to worry about Dak running because your linebacker's there. There is nobody on your side of the field at all. 
I just like coaching point of view. I'm not defensive backs coach. Like, I don't know. I just know that's not good. Like, I, I don't know what the answer is. I just know whether I know lots of defenses have built in calls. I don't know how this this team calls it. I know they've got a rookie safety, Sidney Brown, but Darius Slay and Bradley Roby are not idiots. Like, what's the call? If there should be Slade calling out to Roby uh, that he's got someone coming under him. There's, there's not a crossing route. There's no reason to redistribute him. He just takes his eyes off him. Now, it's only a small play, but it's second and 16. That leads to third and six. And guess what? They convert. It's stuff like this that kills them on third down as well. Like, that play drove me insane because I want you over and over again, like, this is so easy. That is the easiest 10 yards you could possibly pick up in the NFL. Back just steps up in the pocket and there's a guy wide open. And that's the perfect coverage. You've got two deep safeties. You've got three on two on the left, three on two on the right. That is what defensive coordinators dream of. That is the most perfect play call you can have. To me, that is as easy as it gets. And the way they match um, in their zone coverage is so bad. Um, we've said it all year. This is not a Fangio. I mean, you can call it a Fangio defense because they play some cover nine and they rotate two high, single high. But Fangio would not have this team matching uh, routes like this team currently does, like, um, by the way, Baltimore Ravens, Denard Wilson, you want to get angry and go mad. They're the number one pass, they're the number one defense in the league, number one pass defense in the league. Uh, teams that are allowing 4.8 yards per pass. Now, I'm not saying it's Denard Wilson, of course, it's not. The Ravens have got very good players, uh, very good coaching uh, across the board as well. But Mike McDonald's a stud, yes, Mike McDonald is a stud. There is absolutely no doubt. But coaching matters in the NFL. I mean, everyone knows coaching matters because we've got Jeff Stoutland here, and we've had a good offensive line as long as it takes. It's not just desire, it's the overall defensive coaching staff and there needs to be a huge look at it I, i'm going to speak about offense the second half and i think offense can fix themselves you said it yourself the defense is not going to be great like the, the, the spine of their defense is too weak they're going to struggle their linebackers are terrible their safeties are a little bit poor they call them out play outside darius slay has been bad they should have seen the james bradbury regression coming because we could i could do a post about james bradbury in this game uh, not good not good at all um, I think they need to start really considering what they can do to move him into the slot at this point and considering maybe playing Keely Ringo, who had some snaps in this game, and I'm fine with the few holding penalties he was called against. I don't know. The defense is going to be average. But you know what? When you've got Jordan Davis, you've got Fletcher Cox, you've got Milton Williams, you've got Jaden Carter, you're going to get some stops on first and 10. You're going to get in third and long situations. Just be basic in third and long. At this point, play two man, and if the quarterback runs around, makes a crazy throw, or scrambles for... 15 yards and picks up a first down like Josh Allen did. I'm fine with it. I'll accept it. I just can't accept watching Nolan Smith drop into coverage anymore. If you run single high and they throw a seam ball over James Bradbury's head and they win, life goes on. I won't mind about the coverage. Fine. Just play basic coverage. Just keep it simple. Let your four guys rush the quarterback. Stop sending five. Stop sending six. Stop dropping edge defenders into coverage. Stop playing uh, um, Eli Ricks on third down only and asking him to cover the offense's best receiver. Use Darius Slay, line him up against their best receiver, just play basic football. And at the moment, they seem to be trying to do so many weird and wonderful things, and it's just not working. Like, and it's just some of it is really frustrating, as you could probably tell by our tone. Like, I we watch this a lot. Like, I, I watch, I don't watch this film, doesn't take me like 10 minutes. Like, well, there's certain plays I watch a long time, and I'm desperately trying to figure out what they're seeing. And I hate blaming coaches because they know so much more than we do. And I always try and figure out the why, and I'm struggling. I am really struggling other, to, other than to say that the coaching is bad. And you can make all the excuses in the world. Yep, Bradley Roby's not been here long. Yep, Kevin Byard's not been here long. I totally agree. I totally get it. But that's like the one example we just showed. That's three over two. It's that, then if, that should not be happening. Like they should not be giving up those 10 yards on second and 16 the way they do. If Dax scrambles and gets four or five yards or he walks past Nicholas Morrow and gets a first down, accept it. 
fine. I blame the players, not the coaches. But right now, I think the coaches are doing a worse job than the players. I think you could argue this defense is actually more talented than the. I mean, they're playing like historically bad third down defense, like historically bad, not just this season. One of the worst defenses in recent years on third down. There is no way a team that could have a third down pass rushing unit of Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, and Jalen Carter should be anywhere near a historically bad third down defense. Like just rush four and play simple coverage and you should be able to win 50% of the time. And we managed, I think they had like nine out of 10 conversions in this game or something absolutely ludicrous on third down. Like just insane, um, like historically bad third down defense. And they're not rushing a bunch of nobodies on the defensive line. They spent big money on the defensive line. They got first round picks on that defensive line. That's further and long is when that defensive line should be able to take over. And it, I find it incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Sean Desire, before we very quickly touch on a few like players or specifics? Yeah, I mean, I as much as people disliked Jonathan Gannon's scheme last year, I never got as frustrated last season watching all 22 of Jonathan Gannon's defense as I did watching Sean Desai each of the last two weeks. And that is not me saying that I want Jonathan Gannon to be back here, but Sean Desai is not it. Like, I mean, Denard Wilson should have been the defensive coordinator from what I'm seeing, from what I'm seeing out of the Ravens defensive backfield, from what I'm seeing out of the Eagles defensive backfield this year, Sean Desai is just not it. And there's not a fix for that. Like I wrote up a post we're going to get to in a minute about how to fix the offense. I intended to write one about how to fix the defense. And I just finally threw my hands up and I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it's fixable at this point for the defense. I think it's, it's fixable and it can get better. There's no way it has to be historically bad. Like absolutely no way. Um, the problem is the running game is their, their run defense has suffered a little bit of late as well. Um, some of this, I mean, we're getting very technical here, but some of their splits in the run game and their run fits were a little bit out of sync of late, which we noticed it against Kansas City with their edge, the way they defended the edge. Their snaps were like, in this game on the goal line, there was a snap where like Reddick was like three yards wider than the defensive tackle. And I think it was Kevin, or Sidney Brown and Kevin Byard who made a, a good tackle on the goal line. But I was watching that like, hmm, this defense can be average. If, if you got the clip, it's the same play. Oh, yes. There I literally go. titled it Splits Too Wide. But yeah. You got, you got Hassan. You're playing two defensive tackles. This is a four down front, <laughs> and you have Hassan Reddick playing as a nine technique. He's outside the tight end, like he's in yeah. the D gap. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, I think to answer the idea of can they get better, I mean they can because they've got Jordan Davis and they've got Jalen Carter. And if you teams want to run the ball in first down, still in the NFL, if you can stop the run and get him into a third and long, second and long. At this point, I'm genuinely saying anything above third and eight, go two man. And if the quarterback runs for it, he runs for it. Or go cover four, match, and just focus on that. I'm put Slay on their best receiver, or, or or put Slay on their second best receiver and one double their first best their top receiver. Don't ever blitz five or six. Just don't bother. Like it doesn't work when they do it of late. Um, and they also seem to do it on third down, which is the exact time that everyone knows they're going to do it. Run a first down blitz every so often, or don't run it when Eli Ricks is in the game in the slot and has to cover TD Lamb. Like, you can talk all you want about execution, but some of this is just like, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You're trying to be too clever. I always wonder if Dak doesn't throw it to um, CD Lamb earlier on because he's like, 
maybe James Bradbury isn't going to blitz. Maybe the Eagles do deceive him because there is no way he might be thinking that Bradbury is going to blitz and they're going to leave Ricks one-on-one with Lamb. And maybe they got lucky by being so stupid there. They actually <laughs> managed to stop Dak from taking the obvious because like, that should have gone straight to CD Lamb. But I don't know. I don't know. If you, it's if not you, good. If you want to blitz and... I, there's ways to fix the defense. I mean, we've talked about him. It's simplifying. It's when it, it's just rushing for, I don't mind rushing six. Don't do it from depth. Like if you want to blitz, take a leaf out of Brian Flores's book, watch some Vikings film, put six guys on the line, flip a coin heads. We're sending everybody tails. We're only sending three. And I'm fine with that too. If you want, if you want to try to fool everybody, if you want to be creative and try to disguise things and fool people, Go all the way and do it. And it creates tremendously structurally unsound defenses. That's fine. You gave up 10 scoring drives in a row over the span of the last of last week and the beginning of this week. Go for it. I don't care. Uh, if you want to get creative, go be creative. But quit with the blitzing five on third down from depth. It just it doesn't work. I swear if I see Sean Desai rush five on a third down again, I'm going to explode. Yeah, and also they need to, and I think you've got some numbers on this. Um, I saw your tweet, but they have to start rotating pass rushes more because I don't know if that's a desire problem or that's defensive line um, coach problem. I don't know how they the Eagles figure that out. Um, but Josh Wett is not the same Josh Wett I saw a month ago when he looked unbelievable. Assam Reddick is still very good, but I wouldn't say he's taken over games. And I think even people like Jalen Carr and Jordan Davis are slowing down, unfortunately. Um I think the Eagles are very lucky in their defensive schedule. They could still get a first round bye, which would be amazing. They could still get one if they win out, which is very possible. They've got a very nice schedule, the Eagles, and the 49ers have to go to the Baltimore. If they do get some of these easy matches, um, they have to rotate the defensive line. They simply have to because they need to go into the playoffs with these guys uh, fresher. Right, I can see you've got the tweets. Do you want to explain this wonderful graphic that I assume is talking about stats on the screen. Yeah. So this is snaps from all of last season playoffs included. And then so, or excuse me, sorry. This is uh, through week 14 last year, which included the buy. So 13 games uh, and then the snap counts for this year. So Hassan Reddick has played 74 snaps more. Josh sweats played 190 more snaps uh, Brandon Graham has played 52 less. Nolan Smith has played 84 less. Now, of course, that's taking his college snap counts. But Fletcher Cox has played 10 more. Jordan Davis has played 230 more. Jalen Carter, 51 more. Milton Williams, 55 more. But Josh Sweat is 18 snaps away from his career high, which came last wow. season in 19 games. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter have both already played a career high in snaps. Obviously, that's speaking to their college career. Like, it's no wonder these guys are slowing down. And the Eagles do have, you know, they have a lighter schedule coming up. Now, unfortunately, because they dropped two games in a row, they need to win out to ensure they win the division and have a shot at the one seed. But they've got a lighter schedule. It is paramount that they manage these guys' snap counts. And yet Jalen Carter doesn't look as dominant as he did. Josh Sweat, like you mentioned, I, I was I was trotting victory laps for set, ranking Josh Sweat as a top 10 edge rusher in the offseason earlier this year. He's nowhere right now. And, and he's nowhere near as good. He's exhausted. And it's the whole team. It's the whole defensive line. Shield Kapadia put out that the Eagles sack rate on third down is 5.1% right now, which I forget where that ranks in the league, but it's like 30th or something. It was really low. Uh, 
it's because they don't have this rotation that they're used to having. And so it all starts there. And what's annoying is we keep saying it, but it's been coming. That's what I find so frustrating. It's not like individual. I said, I can accept like if they go if, against Seahawks, if they play cover one and DK Metcalf catches a 75 yard touchdown over Darius layman coverage. Like at some point I'll say that's not the coach's fault. You put your best cornerback on their best receiver and they lose. But the, the stuff they're doing is like, if you're, on the, if you're on the positive side of things, it's fixable. Like you can give Nolan Smith 20 more snaps. You can start using um to the Pluto who I actually, by the way, film friends. Like, so, there's stuff you can do. Somebody said to me that, or they were saying you can't get Nolan Smith on the field. Cause he, uh, he can't defend the run or whatever. And I was like, he's been a better run defender than Josh sweat for the last three weeks. Like, I mean, he's not racking up sacks, but other than other than it looks like there's like a cornerback lining up at edge rusher, there is no difference what you see on the field right now between Nolan Smith and Josh Sweat. Nolan Smith's playing fine. Um, is there a I, more misunderstood player than Nolan Smith? I think everyone thinks he's his elite pass rusher. He's like his problem coming out was rushing the quarterback. <laughs> he's an elite run defender. I think people don't understand anything about what who Nolan Smith is. They think he's going to bend the edge like Von Miller every play. And it's like, no, he he really struggles to rush a quarterback. Actually, that's his problem. Um, he is a stout, safe, plug-and-play de- defensive uh, or defensive end who can take on tackles in the run game. Like, he's physical as hell. You can get him more snaps on first down and the sky isn't going to fall apart. Or the world, like, we, we're going to be okay. Like, he can play a bit. Um, right, is that, do you know what? If, for throwback behind the curtain, our second and third points were like Sidney Brown, Darius Slay. I'm going to say my two bits. Sidney Brown, I like. I still like him. He's got problems in coverage, but he's got really good range and he's really good coming downhill. Darius Slay is really, really good and played really, really well. That's about as far as my positive take is going to take me this, this week, Shane, because I'm sick of talking about the defense. So you can finish us up because I am actually quite looking forward to talking about the offense. Even though they scored zero touchdowns, weirdly, I come out feeling better about the offense, but that I'm sick of talking about this defense. So I'm going to let you finish us off. Anything else you want to say, now is your chance before I go slightly insane talking about this defense. Yeah, free free Sidney Brown. Just keep playing him. Like, I understand you're not going to play him over Reed Blankenship. Sidney Brown looked good in this game. Um, Sidney Brown should be on the field more, and they should be running more big nickel packages. Third and long, put Sidney Brown on the third and medium, third and three, but I don't think you're going to run it. But if you do, it's fine because Sidney Brown's going to blow it up anyways. Put Sidney Brown in the box as a third safety and take Nicholas Moreau off the field. I mean, he he was so good in this game. He flies downfield and hits people. There was a play where James Bradbury gets totally cooked on a double move and Sidney Brown breaks the pass up downfield, saves James Bradbury. Like, I, I love Sidney Brown, man. He's going to have some busts in coverage. He gives up that third down on the asinine cover zero blitz that we talked about earlier that's going to happen a little bit the kid will make plays for you like he just needs to play i love watching sydney brown play um and then darius slay darius slay catches a lot of flack you know you've got the got the guy with the trash can outside the novacare complex that says no play slay i'm here to tell you darius slay has played really good football the last four weeks like over the last four weeks, uh, Darius Slay has been targeted 16 times. He's allowed six receptions for 74 yards, 21 yards after the catch, and he has four pass breakups. Like, I, I put a bunch of clips on my timeline. You can go check them out. 
he, he locks down Michael Gallup. He's four by isolated four by one, no help. He runs Michael Gallup's route for him. He, there was a double move, the same double move that cooks James Bradbury. Darius Slay doesn't even bite on. Uh, his DPI was garbage. Like that was good coverage. Darius Slay played really well in this game and he's been playing really well. Uh, he had a really good pass breakup on a scramble drill where he sticks with Brandon cooks when he breaks up field and he deflects the ball. Uh, I mean, you said it, Darius Slay is a very good cornerback. Put the guy on number one receiver. Just let him travel. Like James Bradbury is struggling. Put Darius Slay on these guys. That that's gotta be the takeaway moving forward. Get Sidney Brown on the field. Yep, as I said, I'm saying nothing else, Shane. I agree. No more. I, I thought Darius Slay was really, really good. Let's let's talk some offense so I can uh, preserve my sanity, please. <laughs> okay, we're going to throw to a quick break, and we will be back to talk about the offense back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we are back here on the Shane page. We finally finished ranting about the defense. Now we're going to talk about the offense. Johnny, when I started when i watched this game live i thought i was gonna just be really frustrated with the offense and i was like but you know the defense in the second half they got a touchdown they held dallas to nine points like i thought i would be fine encouraged by the defense and just frustrated by the offense and it was actually kind of the flip side i like you i walked away generally encouraged by the offense there's certainly some things we'll get into but uh, I know you kind of had the same vibe based on what you said on Twitter. So uh, give me, give me your first takeaway here on the offensive side of the ball. What, what were you seeing that made you feel a little bit better? Yeah. So we haven't spoke on air. So just to clarify, did you agree that the offense was weirdly pleasing? Is that, that's the wrong one. I mean, they, they didn't score an offensive touchdown, like, but the defense scored more than them, but this is why film matters. Did you agree that it looked like they were moving the ball? Like gut feeling when you're watching the film? Yeah. Almost at will. I mean, they had 6.2 yards per play compared to the Cowboys 5.3. Like it felt good until you get into three fumbles. You've got multiple big drops. You've got some big time penalties. Like, and we'll get into that. You can't be shooting yourself in the foot that way, but I thought the offense moved the ball really well at times in this game. Now, obviously yards don't matter, but they they moved the ball. Mistakes are one of those things that are boring to break down. So I'm not going to show you clips of fumbles. Like, that's just a coaching point. Like, I'm not going to go, oh, Devontae Smith needs to not fumble. Like, yeah, well done. I mean, like, I'm not, we're not going to bother talking about those plays. So I want to talk a little bit about sort of, and there are negatives, by the way. Don't get me wrong. There were negatives in this game. It's not all perfect. But I want to talk about the Eagles' philosophy first. And I keep seeing people say the scheme's really basic and it's a very simple offense. I'm like, yeah, it was last year. And they nearly won the Super Bowl. And they probably should have won the Super Bowl based on their offensive performance. Like, NFL does not have to be hard. There are some people that do things really well. The Eagles do not have to. The reason why is because when they are on it, they've got arguably the best offensive line in football. They've got a top three tight end. They've got a top three wide receiver and an incredibly good second wide receiver. Now, there are issues with this, but the Eagles scheme in this game was really easy, and it was exactly what they did last year. If you're going to play too high, we're going to run. 
And guess what? That You're going to bring a safety down into the box. And guess what we're going to do? We're going to throw it deep. Uh, we saw, Shane, the return of single high letter fly this week. It was there. The problem I got to tweet was, that this week. It was I great. Know, it's, the problem with this game was the Eagles just didn't execute. Like some of the simple stuff that they make week in, week out. AJ Brown, ball come up his fingertips. Devontae Smith drop. Uh, Devontae Smith drop on a third um, split zone RPO. Like I'm not going to kill. And some people will. I get it. Like there are some schemes that are better than the Eagles. There's things the Eagles need to do better. But I actually don't dislike their philosophy on offense that much. And the reason why I don't is because I've seen it succeed over a long, long period of time. Um, basically all of last year and still the numbers this year are pretty good. So I don't think it's a disaster. I think we have to just accept as fans that the scheme is quite basic. And when it doesn't go well, when AJ Brown drops a deep ball, it's going to look bad. But that was the same as last year. For me personally, I'm fine with that as long as the offense does the basic. And I know everyone's going to shout and scream, and my article is quite positive this week, and I'm going to get loads of comments saying they scored zero touchdowns. And I know, but I'm not talking about the fumbles. I'm going to ignore that because there's nothing we can do about that. The Eagles were moving the ball really well. They had drives where they were running it well. They were passing it well. And I think just be careful what you wish for because sometimes they're very complicated schemes and you still get problems with them. Like, I don't think the Eagles are the best play designers in the world. I don't think Sirianni is. But what's interesting is you've got someone like Shane Steichen who looks really, really creative in Indianapolis right now. Well, he was running a pretty simple scheme last year as well. Like, they obviously philosophically decided... They don't need to do a great deal because Hertz is a freakishly good runner. Their offensive line is ridiculously good. And actually, they have made tweaks this year to last year. They, they, there is stuff they've done that's better. And I think we're forgetting about some of that. DeAndre Swift was used a massive part in the, in the past game. That was different to last year. Uh, DeAndre Swift on these screen passes, different to last year. What I don't get is where they've gone. And there are problems with the offense right now. But just like philosophically from a general point, uh, there are things the Eagles need to do better. And... They could make things easier on their quarterback at times. Absolutely. And overall, I think there are things they could do better in this game. But you know what? If Jaden Hurts makes a few throws in this game, he should make. If Devontae Smith catches two balls in the end zone that he drops, if AJ Bound drops, or sorry, catches one of the balls on the sideline that he drops, we're having a totally different conversation here, Shane. Like the Eagles could have put up 30. They had the Cowboys number. Like they knew what they were doing. So moan about the scheme all you want. But this was a matter of execution, in my opinion not a matter of scheme. So before I get, I'm going to get into like run game and a bit more of execution. That was my first point, which is talking about the scheme. Um, right. I think your first point is going to talk about some of the throws that I will say, this is where, sorry, I always do this. I throw it to you and I make my own point based on your point, but you're going to talk about easy throws. And when I talk scheme, I'm not talking about philosophy in terms of um, aggressiveness. That's a, <clears throat> Play, that's not on the play designer. That's on the quarterback and the coach. So a great example last week was they ran a really nice play, bunch formation, Devontae Smith option route, wide open. But, but Jalen Hurts took the one-on-one throw to AJ Brown, didn't convert it. You can't blame the coach for that. Even play designers that have a really good... That was a great play design. Jalen Hurts chose not to do it. So sometimes you've got to be careful. Don't to always point at scheme. I'm looking at was there options to throw the ball to open receivers? Did the game plan work? In my opinion, it did. I mean, I think you're going to talk about some of the chances that the Eagles missed that maybe are not all on the coach, but actually on the quarterback at times as well. Yeah, um, I will say in, in response to your point, the Eagles scheme is very simple, like it was last year. But in fairness, last year I was saying they've got to flush out their scheme some. Because all of a sudden when there's it, your players aren't just dominating, it would be nice to have an easy button or two that you can press to get in rhythm. And that is 
that is one of the things I fault the staff with. This isn't fleshed out a little bit more, but like you said, sometimes it's not all in the staff. Um, this is the AJ Brown pass on the sideline. And there's a few things that are true about this play two by two formation. Uh, AJ Brown's in the slot. He's going to run a slot fade. Devonta Smith is out wide. Uh, first, let's just watch the play run here. A few things can be true. This is an incredible throw. And it's a tough catch. And A.J. Brown should make this catch. Like all three of those things are true. And we'll see it from the back view here. And I think I've got the broadcast replay on it too. Um, to show that Hertz puts this ball in a great spot. Like this is a ludicrous throw. Right there. And you can see on the, it, it, hit, it goes right through his hands and hits him in the leg. You have got to catch this ball. Like, that's a tough catch. You're a top five right receiver in terms of pay. You've got to catch that ball. It's tough. It's a great throw. you got to catch it. But here's the other thing. This is third down, and the first down marker is about the 30-yard line. And I just want you to watch Devonta Smith, who is the primary read on this play, be wide open for a first down, and we turn it down to throw, which, what's, let's, let's be honest, is a jump ball. I mean... Hertz is winding up to throw this to A.J. Brown, who is not open. And Devontae Smith is wide open for the first down. And Shane, just quickly, go back to before he releases the ball as well. Look at the position of the Dallas cornerbacks, like as in right at the start of the play. This pre-snap should be, I mean, look at that. Like he's he's, 20, he's 10 yards off him. Mm -hmm. In your mind, you're going, right, if we're going to try and throw a fade to A.J. Brown, that is not the look that I want to be throwing a fade, especially when you've got five rushes on the line of scrimmage. So you're expecting pressure as well. Um, the funny thing is, it's a brilliant throw. <laughs> and if AJ Brown catches it, we will go, wow. But this is what I'm talking about. That's not on scheme, in my opinion. Scheme is fine. Devontae Smith wins. Like, he's open. Um, yeah. That, to me, it, is on quarterback. you got to put it on him. There, there's no reason to take that shot downfield. And again, it's an incredible throw. It should have been caught. We wouldn't be talking... I would be talking about it because that's what I do, but nobody else would be talking about it, but you settle for a field goal because you went for the home run ball instead of taking the first down. Uh, here's another one. I just want you to watch. They're going to try to hit Devonta Smith on this deep out route. Watch this corner at the bottom of the screen. We're in a stack here. I want you to watch how this flat defender, number one, how he plays this. Look at the depth that he gets. He's 10 yards downfield, hips open to the sideline. And Jalen Hurts is going to try to drill this out route against Stephon Gilmore with outside leverage and a flat defender that's 10 yards downfield. And I want you to look at the tight end releasing to the flat that's 15 yards away from the nearest defender. Like, it doesn't have to be hard. It would take a spectacular throw and catch to hit this to Devonta Smith for the first down it would take a throw that Johnny could make left-handed to get this ball to Grant Calcaterra for 10 yards. And, and that's what I'm talking about. When, when I talk about taking the easy throws, he tries to drill it into Devonta Smith. It doesn't get there. The worst part is this is first down. If it's third and 10, I get it. This is first and 10. Go make it second and two. You don't have to pick up the first down here. And, and defenses know the Eagles' propensity to do this. And that's why these downfield throws aren't as open. We we talked about last week, we had our whole debate about, you know, I said that good teams don't have to be able to run the ball. They have to be able to do what the defense gives them. 
Dallas was giving you that underneath throw and you didn't take it. And there's no excuse for that. And that's where it goes back actually to my idea of, I think the Eagles get lucky because they got really good players. So they get these short throws available to them and they've got to take advantage of it. Like I didn't watch this game and think Brian Johnson did badly. Like there were throws open. Um, this to me was an execution issue. Um, Tell you what, I, w- I wasn't going to be my second point, but I'm going to talk about it. I wanted to talk about the final uh, eagle or the big fourth down play call as well and get your thoughts on it here. Um, so I've actually got a clip of it. I don't know if you do as well. It's the final point on my film thread, which is clip 11. So this is a good example of execution rather than coaching, in my opinion. I'm sorry, rather than play designing. So I look at this play and live, I thought, what on earth are the Eagles doing? And then you watch it back. And for those of you that are Watching, if you're not, check out the film for it after. It's a simple mesh concept. And the Cowboys rush six. Now, first thing I want you to notice is, oh my goodness, look at the Cowboys when they rush six compared to when we rush six. These linebackers are quick. They're ahead of steam. Like, the pressure on Hurts is completely different. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sync up this Eagle, this play, and the Eagles play, and we'll see how the linebackers come across. I'm going to do that. Please do. And then... I actually, right, fourth and, fourth and eight, fourth and nine, there's no real great calls, especially when you get six men charging after you and your right guard gets blown up in the backfield. Um, this is actually a really cool play that we've seen this year before. It's mesh and a three-level stretch. So if you go back to the um, initial view, Shane, what I mean by that is, for those of you, even if, you li- even if you're not um, watching, I should be able to explain it. So a three-level stretch when you have three receivers coming to one side of the field. The Eagles have got three receivers on one side of the field, but they don't actually get to the three-level stretch with those three receivers. They use Devontae Smith coming all the way across from the other side of the field, and they use A.J. Brown, who's um, the second receiver. He comes running across on the mesh. So it's actually a really cool design. Now, say what you want. Oh, play call is rubbish. It's not just mesh. If Hurst has time in the pocket, he's got Dallas Scott at one-on-one on an intermediate out. That's a great play call in this situation. So I've got zero concerns with a play call. In fact, I think this is quite a good play call. And there I said it. Some people are going to hate me because you've actually got a easy throw built in against pressure. So if you've got time in the pocket, sit there, hit Dallas Goddard. If you're under pressure early, get it out quickly. You're expecting if you've got pressure to get one-on-one coverage, because if they bring a blitz, it's more than likely, especially a six-man pressure, it's going to be man coverage. Is there any better play call than mesh against man coverage? But here we go back to coaching and it's basics. Devontae Smith is ridiculously slow off the line. I don't know if it's by design, but he's too late. Again, across the formation. Hertz has his back foot and he throws it slightly behind Smith. But look at the gap between AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. We all remember the Chip Kelly days running mesh, don't we? We'd have a little high five that the players give they each other. The Super Bowl. We got the That's high five in the Super Bowl. That's how you run mesh. It's the easiest way in the book to make sure that you naturally pick the cornerback. Um, and like live, I thought, what a terrible play call. And actually, I love mesh. I don't know what you call it a play, by the way. I call it mesh with three-level stretch with mesh, basically. Um, I think you've got answers built into every coverage. And look at Dallas Goddard, by the way. I think he's going to be open. If Hurts has time in the pocket to throw this intermediate out route, oh, I think he's going to be open. It's a tough throw, but Goddard is so good at that. Um, that, to me, is not the worst play call. It's execution. Like, there are times when we'll blame coaches and times that we'll blame players on here. And I think that is one you can put on the players. There are other plays that I think you can clearly put on the coaches. But that, to me, is not an issue with the uh, coaching staff. I mean, it is, sorry. It's an issue with uh, the coaches to not get them running mesh properly. It's not necessarily a play design issue. Um, 
So my last point was just going to be about that, talking about execution. There are so many plays Eagles had in this game where if they execute better. By the way, there was another split zone RPO early on in the first half when AJ Brown just made the most obvious pick ever and just stepped in front of the cornerback and then they got called for pass interference. Again, execution. It's not necessarily scheme right now. It's execution on offense. That is the problem. And I know I sound like Chip Kelly, but I think in this game, it was actually uh, true. Yeah, I call that play. I call that play mesh sale. I don't know if anybody else calls it that, but that's what I call it. I like it. Um, yeah. And, and even if you go back into the protection on that, you have six guys blocking against six rushers. You should have time to get that throw off in it. I, I, Jason Kelsey and Kenny Gainwell don't get that done. And I think that's on Gainwell. I think Gainwell doesn't get across quick enough. Maybe he expects Kelsey. Well, I think yeah, Cam Jurgens yeah. is the one that gets blown up as well. Yeah. Yeah. He gets pushed back into the backfield and it just kind of all falls apart. So I think this links to your second point, actually. If you, if we haven't already covered it, which was nicely titled, stop, stop shooting yourselves in the foot. So I'm guessing you're going to talk about mistakes, Shane. Yeah, and considering this podcast is getting a little long, I'm just going to say that I can say this one in like two sentences. The Eagles in the last five games have nine fumbles and two interceptions. Wow. Now they've recovered some of those fumbles, and, and that's the classic difference. In the first Cowboys game, you fumble three times, you recover all three, you win, what, 28 to 23. In this game, you fumble three times, you lose all three, and you get blown out. They had multiple drops in this game, uh, not to mention – We've talked about several of them. And, you know, the Devonta Smith one in the end zone, uh, one of the A.J. Brown vertical shots off the fingertips, maybe the, those maybe those are catches they shouldn't make. I don't know. You could parse that one. What you can't parse is the one that hit A.J. Brown's in the hands that we showed earlier. You can't argue with the Devonta Smith on that pick and roll third down play moving out to the left. Hertz puts that ball in the money, and, and Smith doesn't bring it in. Um you just have to stop shooting yourself in the foot. And it's really that simple. Stop shooting yourself in the foot. You're a good football team. And, you know, we talked about how the Eagles move the ball in this game. And they just, you can't be doing this. You've got to, you just got to stop shooting yourself in the foot. And you've got every chance to, you know, go put up 30 in this game. But you're not going to do it making those kind of mistakes. Yeah, the Eagles offense really was not bad in this game. And I know... This is where the WIP radio guys aren't going to be impressed because you've scored no touchdowns. But if you watch the film, like the film is the film. Like you get a, sometimes stats can be very useful, but you also get a you get a feel when you watch the film. Like I sometimes just don't look at any numbers. I just just watch it and then watch every play and then go back and then you look at numbers afterwards. And my gut was telling me like the Eagles' offense was good. And one of the big reasons is Shane. My final point, which I've been waiting to talk about all week, as always, should make it like a little segment on here, is run game. So the <laughs> Eagles did, Shane, what I was on about. The run game is not perfect yet. By no means is it perfect. And I'm still very worried about DeAndre Swift. I'll be honest. I think that's a, there's a concern that I have with DeAndre Swift moving forward. But the Eagles started running it against two high shells. And they started running it with a quarterback. And they started running more gap scheme. So basically what I said they wanted them to do last week, they pretty much did. So I'll show you a few examples. Firstly, a play one on my film, Fred. It's as easy as it gets. This is the 2022 Eagles offense. Uh, play one. It is as simple as it. Cowboys two safeties are miles back. They are very, very far back. 
and the Eagles motion out DeAndre Swift. The linebacker runs with him, which creates an empty set. The Cowboys have got five men in the box. It's five on five, and you run it with Jalen Hurts. Because they've got a four-man defensive front, that means Jason Kelsey's got no one inside him, so he can pull. This is peak 2022 Eagles. And you can talk all you want about how you stop this. Do you know how you stop it, Shane? You bring a, another defender into the box. If teams are going to come up with this exact look against the Eagles, I'm not kidding. They should run it every single first down. Until I see a team stop this, it is almost impossible to stop. If that linebacker doesn't run with you, throw it to DeAndre Swift. Like, that they have an answer. The only way you can get number, numbers in the box as a defense is if you bring a safety downhill. Like, it's beggars belief they've waited this long to do it, but at least this game, they started running it early. Um, and I haven't got the tweet up, but I think you tweeted because I asked you to do it because you're a, a good stats man. And they were um, very efficient, weren't they? Uh, running the ball in the first four possessions. Was it 5.2 yards per carry you mentioned? Yes, I can I can scroll back and find that. That is more, don't worry about it now, but that is more than enough. Okay. It was above five yards to carry. Like, if you're getting above five yards to carry on first down running the ball, you are gold. Like, the way the Eagles play, that is all you need. But it wasn't just that play. There was other plays that I really, really, really liked in the run game. So, firstly, it was back. Play six, Shane. They ran tackle trap. They ran dart. Like, I have been, how many times have I said on this podcast this year, where's the play gone? Where's the play gone? Now, for those of you wondering why I love this play so much, I love it for two simple reasons. Barely anyone runs it. So I don't think defensive coordinators get to see it very often. And do you know why no one runs it? Because nobody has two offensive tackles that are this good. The Eagles have Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata. Why would you not want to use those two pulling? Like, I struggle to see a reason why you would not run this play more. I just think the Eagles' offensive line looks more in sync when they run gap scheme. Like, this is beautiful. Like, look at the way they block this play. Like, to me, they look more comfortable running gap scheme. And I don't know why. I, I, I don't. I know the numbers don't back me up, by the way. I'm just telling you how I feel um, about certain plays. I think it's really interesting, Shane. They ran Dart twice on drive one. Or, sorry, once on drive one and then again the time after. Do you know who was the rushers on both those snaps? Jalen Hurts and Kenny Gainwell which comes back to a swift point. I'm wondering if the heavy emphasis on the zone running game is they don't think DeAndre Swift can run a gap scheme style, which I think is something to really look forward, something to watch out for. There was a more comment than I've seen in a while after this game saying, run Boston Scott, run Kenny Gainwell more than I've seen in a while. Um, however, can, can I say something controversial? Go for it, do it. I'm not going to tweet this because then Here people quote Exclusive. tweet it and bookmark it, but I'm going to say it on a podcast. Kenny Gainwell looked better in this game than DeAndre Swift. He's always looked better as a pass blocker, but he looked better as a runner in this game. He looked more decisive. He hit holes. Kenny Gainwell looked better as a runner than DeAndre Swift on Sunday. I don't think that's crazy. I really don't. DeAndre Swift, to me, has always been this. By the way, people forget, like, the Lions moved on from him. Ben Johnson, very good offensive coordinator. Very, very good at picking out talent. Look at what they've done in, with that offense. The reason why I've never been high on him, and I think Swift is fantastic, and he's actually way, uh, um, basically proved me wrong this year. He's past my expectations. But he is a space player. Throw it to him. Don't run it 11 times. I think I, I tweet, I know, this is my article, I haven't tweeted this. I think they've thrown it to him like three times in the last three weeks. Like, that's maddening. That's not what he's good at. Um, they, I'm going to be fully fair here, though. They did run some gap scheme with DeAndre Swift. So before people tweet it out, because I literally tweeted it out, so you can't tweet me. I, I was the one that tweeted it. So if you look at play nine on my um, 
film thread as well. Uh, they run count up with DeAndre Swift and they get two pillars. They get, um, sorry, that's not, no, oh dear. I've just shot myself in the foot and played the play that I'm going to talk about when he's terrible. Oh dear. Let's just <laughs> play eight, Shane. Let's come back to that. Let's be positive for a second. Um, I thought they did, they when did you called it. that, when you called that counter as I was watching it, I was like, did I click the wrong one? But I can't yeah, check did. because it's yeah, sharing did. my whole screen. So you did. Here it's we play, go. Let's try this. Play one. eight. This is much better. So you'll see you get the two linemen pulling. So DeAndre Swift, and by the way, DeAndre Swift actually looks quite good running that play, but he goes down on first contact a lot at the moment. Like, even this play here, that's a cornerback. Run through him. Don't get six or seven yards. Get an extra two. Like, the way he runs, basically, he goes down really, really easily. But let's stick with the positives for a second. Gap scheme, better. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that Eagles offense did not improve their running game this year, this week. They ran against light boxes. They committed to the run. On that play where AJ Brown fumbled on that drive, I tweeted this out. It was run, run, run. And it was like seven, seven, seven. Throw to AJ Brown, seven. That drive was equals from last year. Tick, tick, tick. Unfortunately, AJ Brown fumbled, which ruined the drive. But this had the makings of a, a really good Eagles running game. I think I saw a stat about the Cowboys defense against the run this game, and it was something like their success rate was incredibly bad, but their EPA looked better. But that's what happens when Hurts fumbles when you're in the um when you're in the red zone. So EPA was blown out of proportion. But I do want to end because we are going over time, but I had to talk about run game. My philosophy on run game is and it always has been, by the way, so it's not not me picking on Swift. It's not what I want in a foundation back. I like bigger first down running backs. I like guys that push the pile. I think a four yard run on first and 10 is incredibly underrated in the NFL. There was a play and this is actually clip nine now, Shane. Now this is second and three. The Eagles basically are guaranteed to pick up third and one. So your job as a running back on second and three is get two yards. And he's so hesitant. I think he could actually go left. He could run behind Landon Dickerson. He doesn't. He sort of stutter steps. He sort of looks up. And then he just falls down. Like It's sort of like Jalen Hurts running out of the pocket. There's just, there's, that run is like, I don't know if he's tired. I don't know if he's, whatever he's completing. But that is a bad run. Like, I've been waiting to tweet this clip out for like four weeks because I've seen a lot of plays like this. And every time I go and do it, I always think, oh, maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe it's not that bad. Uh, they were, the blocking wasn't great. And on that one, I was like, no. I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to take the abuse because that play to me summed up why I have a problem with him as a feature back. I think Swift is a brilliant, brilliant uh, back in space. He is a limited player because he's a passed out. He's a pass catching running back who can't block. So he is, he is limited as a player, but I think you could absolutely use him in first down. You could absolutely use him in that. I'd throw the ball four or five times to him easily. I'd run him on option. Uh, routes around angle screens i would get him in the flat I, I would use him as a wide receiver at times as, and you can run bubble screens you can run him in pony personnel and you could have kenny gamewell and deandre swift in the slot because you're going to get more from him on a bubble screen when you are from chris watkins like he is a, a mismatch player that you can use there is absolutely a role for deandre swift in the offense i don't think the role is giving 15 carries on first down I know they haven't been a play, but I don't think that's his skill set. And I think much as I feel better about the run game this week, I feel better about Jalen Hurts in the run game, despite the fact he fumbled. I have a, a underlying concern that it's going to be a little bit inconsistent because DeAndre Swift struggles to pick up. Um, I always just talk about running backs who fall forward. When you get tackled, get me two extra yards. When you get tackled, get me one extra yard. He goes down on first contact a lot. Um, and I think it's my only problem with the run game in this week. 
But before I finish, I do want to say they did things that I said. And I think you cannot come away from this game feeling worse about the run game. I think fair play to the coaching staff, fair play to Jeff Stoutland, whatever they realised wasn't working, at least they did make some adaptations. And that's why I felt more positive coming out of this game. Because I think this Eagles offence is built on the run game. Despite the fact they've got AJ Brown and they've got Jalen Hurts, their passing concepts are so simple, but they're simple because they expect to get single high coverage because it all comes back to the ability to run the football. All right. Uh, so, man, I, I've, I'm going to make my final point, but I've got a couple random one-off things I want to show you first. So here we go. I synced this up while you were talking. So this is the Cowboys <laughs> cover zero blitz and the Eagles cover zero blitz at half speed. Just keep your eye here on the 29-yard line and the 40-yard line. And I'll, we'll pause it when the linebackers are crossing and you can see how quick they get back there. But Cowboys well, linebackers are now in the backfield. This is fun. what other podcast is doing this, Shane. This is this is yeah. great content. The Cowboys linebackers are already across the line of scrimmage. The Eagles linebackers are still three and one yards away. Like I mean, look at look at the speed difference there and how you're doing this rush. Just watch it again. Watch how the Cowboys impact the play. The Eagles guys just don't. Yep. So I'll put that one out on Twitter. Oh, that's uh, going to get some likes. That one's that one's, sure. one's going to do well. That one's going to yeah. do well. And then I'll, I'll tell you my final point here. Uh, and I put this out as a post on Twitter that kind of blew up. I made a post titled how to fix the Eagles offense. And I think it's going to go up on BGN later. So yeah, you can check fantastic. it out there. This and I'm not so going to read it all. But after Johnny and I just got done telling you we were encouraged by the offense. Now I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with it and how to fix it in like two minutes because we're way long. Uh, but here's the main takeaways. Jalen Hurts has an expected completion percentage of 61.6% this season, which is the second lowest in the NFL. So Jalen Hurts takes the second most difficult throws on average in the entire NFL. Now his completion percentage over expectation is plus 4.9%, which is the highest in the NFL, which means he's taking the second hardest throws, but he's completing them at the highest rate in the NFL right now. But you can't live there. You've got to make it easier. And so I put down some easy buttons for the offense. One, throw the ball between the numbers. Uh, the Eagles are eighth in yards per attempt and sixth in success rate when throwing between the numbers, but they are 30th in the percentage of their passes thrown between the numbers. Life gets a lot harder when the defense doesn't have to cover 60% of the field. And, and so they've got to get those in-breaking routes, specifically slants. Uh, the Eagles are seventh in success rate on slants, but they're 22nd in usage. Uh, they're first in success rate on curls, which makes sense if you think about it. Is AJ, you got to worry about AJ Brown deep, and all of a sudden he breaks it off. They're 28th in curl usage. Running back screens, they are fourth in success rate, but 28th in usage. And you think about this angle screen to DeAndre Swift that worked so well three weeks ago, and we haven't seen it since, or four weeks ago. And we haven't seen it since. And then in the run game, QB runs. There are 10 teams in the NFL with 10 designed QB runs, excluding sneaks. The Eagles rank 10th in success rate, but they have the fourth most such runs. And it's because of plays like this that I titled Stop It. This is not a zone read. This is, there's no one that they're reading. There's nobody they're optioning. This is purely fake it to the running back and then use him as a lead blocker. And Jalen Hurts slides down behind the line of scrimmage. If your quarterback is healthy, run the ball, 
If he's not healthy, don't run the ball. If you don't want him to take hits, don't run him outside because he's consistently done this. Run him on these QB draws, or they're not technically always draws because they're pulling people, but run him up the middle when you're motioning out to empty. Other than that, just stop it. I don't want to see any more of those. Uh, So how do you threaten the edge? It's obvious they're not going to get under center. We've harped on this pony personnel. You can put two running backs in the backfield. Now you can threaten both edges. And again, you think about Madden, the running backs on the right, you crash your line to the left. That's where the run's going. Now you get one on both sides. The Eagles have the sixth highest rushing success rate in the NFL out of pony personnel, but the second lowest amount of rushing attempts. Uh, Also, well, we can't pass out of pony personnel. They have the third highest passing success rate from pony personnel. Just use it. Get two running backs on the field. You're not throwing to your third receiver anyways. Um, And so you can check that out. I'll have more details up. It's on my Twitter. It's going to be on BGN. But the Eagles offense, over the last four weeks, they do not face a defense that ranks higher than 24th in DVOA. You have a shot to get your offense going, to get it jump started here. There's a lot of easy buttons you can press and dial this thing in for the playoffs. So that's that's my take. Johnny, I'll let you react to that. And then I've got one just funny clip I got to show you before we get out of here. <laughs> we're going we're going everywhere this week. Um, no, I, I actually saw that that post from yours. I think you tweeted pretty early out um, whenever the morning after the game or the day after the game. And it's really, really good. And as I said before, sometimes I think the Eagles in this game just went back to simple. And I think that's fine. Like, I'm OK with it this week. Get simple stuff done well in my opinion Hertz is fine when he runs when he's in empty and there's like five men in the box and he's not worried about getting hit from other angles and he can just slide um the one i don't get is pony personnel like just do it just run some jet sweeps like the address was fine here like i don't understand like every time they do it it seems to work and it's like oh we're gonna trick you with it once a game it's like maybe try it more i don't know so it's one of those things that i'm i, I struggle to get to and i know i struggle to get like too annoyed at because it's such a, a minor point it's also like Give yourself some easy buttons. Um, the good news is, and I genuinely think this, this offense is 100% fixable. Like, number one, it already looked quite good against the Cowboys. And I'm telling you, there is no way this offense has got a talent problem. Yes, they have some issues, like Chris Watkins is a bad free, but Zacchaeus is fine. Julio Jones might be done. But there is more than enough talent. It's not the defense. If this offense clicks, and it doesn't take a lot to click, it literally needs to run the ball against too high, force them to put a safety in the box, and then you hope you hit your deep shots. They might not hit them. The offense might score seven points a game because they can't hit those deep shots. But when AJ Brown starts feeling it, they can beat anyone because they can go off against any team in the league. This offense is going to click at some point this year. I feel really strongly about that. I am far more concerned um, with the defense. Finish off with whatever funny thing it is, then we need to get out of here because we are, we've yeah. got... Okay, so I meant to show you this when we were talking about Sidney Brown and I forgot. I just want you to... Oh, I don't know what I just... Okay, there we go. Nope, that's not it. I'm pushing buttons I didn't mean to. There we go. Um, I just want you to watch Sidney Brown and Dak Prescott on this play. I, I saw this when I was watching the All-22, and I just thought it was hilarious. This is a QB sneak, and Sidney Brown wisely tries to rip the ball out from Dak. And I think it's funny. After the whistle, Dak just holds out the ball like, here, you want it now? And I just like died laughing when I saw this interaction between them. Um, so I tweeted it out. I had to play it on the podcast. Uh, there's just a few moments of humor injected and in watching film from a bad loss. And this was one of them. I'll tell you what underrated part of watching the U 22 is you see so much fun stuff 
on film that you don't see live because the camera comes off. Did you see the Jake Ferguson thing this week as well? No, I didn't see that one. Oh, there was a great moment. There was a uh, corner route he's running. Um, and I saw it and it cracked me up. And Dak Prescott scrambles. And the Eagles uh, defensive back is watching Jake Ferguson. And Jake Ferguson pretends to go up for the catch as if Dak's thrown him the ball. And the Eagles cornerback is like really like panicking, like swatting the air. Like, <laughs> and there's there's no ball thrown. And like when Jake Ferguson runs back, you can almost see him like sort of laughing about it. Sometimes you see things on the Eagles 22 that just crack you up because you don't see them live. Um, that yes. was one of them for this week. Here's another one. I'm going to have to go find You'll have to send me that one. Here's another one. Zach Cunningham, I circled here. He has no patience for you running seam routes. Uh, just watch him decleat this seam route. This is definitely illegal contact. <laughs> um, but this guy's just running upfield. He's like, nope, don't want to run with you. Just waylays that guy. Of course, that's on the play that Keely Ringo got hurtled as well. But Did the ref uh, not call that? No, they didn't. Oh, no brilliant. flag. That's brilliant. Honestly, maybe we should make a series at the end of the season. We'll get like the top 10 funny plays and just break down like the, the most favorite player of the year is still Zach Cunningham in press coverage about a month ago when he just tried to blow up the tight end every time. And it was either the best press coverage you've ever seen or he was 15 yards off him after about two seconds. He's a, I like Zach Cunningham. He's a funny player to watch. He makes my life more enjoyable. Um, yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. He's a fun one to watch on the All-22. So, all right. Well, we better get out of here. I think we've meandered enough. Uh, the, our, our, our listeners may have had a little more trouble following this episode, but just a peek into what it's going to look like over the next two weeks. Uh, I wasn't able to get to film on Tuesday, so I had to do it all this morning. I was a little less organized. The next two weeks, games are on Monday. So this is what you're going to get, and I hope you enjoy it. Johnny and I certainly uh, enjoy it, and hopefully we'll be talking about some wins. But uh, if you enjoy the show, please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thumbs up on the YouTube video and comments really help us as well. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We will be back next week, hopefully breaking down an Eagles dominating performance over the Seattle Seahawks. So keep it tuned right here to BGN Radio. We'll catch you guys next week. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.